0: The Natural Hat Trick, hosted by Luke Lipinski and Craig Morgan. Welcome into episode 264 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. What's up? I'm Luke Lipinski. It is oh, at the day before Thanksgiving. Um, got some hockey to talk about. We are going to start on a sad note. There's no way to, I think Craig and I were talking about this before the show. There's really no way to talk about hockey until we've talked about Late Nicardo and uh, the, just the terrible news that came down yesterday. Such an inspiration to, you know, not just the hockey side of the Arizona Coyotes, but to everybody involved with that organization. And you knew it before yesterday. You saw the outpouring to a whole nother level uh, yesterday with, with Rick Tockett and some of the players and people around the organization were able to go visit uh, her family. But uh, Craig, I'll, I'll start with you. Just kind of your, your thoughts on, uh, on the situation and just, I, and more so your emotions, I guess, than your thoughts.
1: Yeah. It's honestly, since I found out yesterday morning, I just, I've just been thinking about it for 24 hours. I have two daughters of my own. Your head goes a, a million different places. I, I don't know, Luke, my heart just goes out to that family for how long that they have fought this how, how long they have maintained incredibly positive attitudes. We've all, we've obviously met Leighton a couple of times, met her mom, Carly. I, I've known her dad for a while, actually. Um, I just, I can't fathom what they're dealing with right now. I, there there are no words to express how awful you feel for the family. Um, again, such strength, such positivity throughout this. Uh, and I think everyone will always remember Leighton's smile. I just, I just, I can't, I can't believe she's gone. Nine years old uh, handled everything with
0: a lot more grace and dignity than a lot of adults. Which is not meant as a shot at adults, but it's just uh, remarkable what she was able to do as a nine year old. Uh, and she was at, of course, dropped the puck at the November sixteenth game between the Coyotes and the Flames. A game the Coyotes won three uh, nothing. You know, just a, a, an instant connection with Oliver Ekman Larson. But like I said, it it's not it wasn't just a like, oh, that was a connection that night. Like it was that she, she was a part of that team. I, I know that sounds
1: cliche, but she was really a
0: part of the Arizona Coyotes this past season and going forward.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, we've seen her so much around. And, and again, it's just what comes through for me. I just, was always in a good mood. I don't know how that's possible with what she was dealing with, with all the procedures and treatments, but she was always smiling, always happy and always incredibly comfortable talking to perfect strangers. I guess that's uh-huh. part of, you know, this product of becoming a celebrity, she's used to it, but she really had become a, a sort of a, a coyote's icon. And, and she was comfortable talking with reporters, with players, with anybody that came her way. It's, she was an amazing little girl. I love the quote, skate hard, have fun.
0: To me, that just sums up hockey, right? I mean, every coach is going to tell you to skate hard. Otherwise you're not going to be able to do anything, but the have fun part is really what it's all about. And there's, there's really nothing more to it. Like she summed up the sport of hockey, in four words with skate hard, have fun. And, and you mentioned the energy, like that's just that sort of infectious energy is great for anybody to have. And you, you love that if it's a, you know, anybody in your life, but again, for it to be a nine year old to
1: consistently bring that to an entire organization is, is just remarkable. Yeah, the outpouring uh, from the Coyotes community has been amazing thus far, not only from from the team and from Fox Sports Arizona. I know a bunch of their personalities knew her very well. Um, but from the greater Coyotes community, I mean, you've seen the reaction all over online. Really, the the hockey community, I know the NHL tweeted something as well. Um, I'm sure the Coyotes are going to do a lot more in in the uh, coming weeks and months. I'm sure they're going to do a lot more to honor Leighton. I, I don't know what that is, but I'm certain it's coming and – it will all be well deserved.
0: Yeah, we we have some questions that we'll get to later on, but I mean, as far as what the team specifically is going to do, we just don't know that yet. I'm sure the team is still working on it, but um, yeah, that that was that was just brutal news yesterday. It's been a brutal year in general, but that that was a tough one. So um, yeah, we just we, we certainly wanted to address that and just sort of thank Leighton for everything she has meant to anybody involved, really in hockey in Arizona over the the last year at least, but really longer than that. I mean, I know that I know some people within the hockey community have had a connection to her for years and years, which again, is crazy because she's only nine years old. All right. There is no uh, real way to transition out of that other than, I guess, to talk more hockey and um, let's, let's stick with the coyotes before we get into all the serious league stuff. And, uh, and just kind of, uh, I guess let's, let's go into the Jersey stuff, Craig. Cause that's, that's a little, it's a little more lighthearted. Um, all the NHL teams released those retro jerseys, I guess about a week ago now. And a lot of different sites have ranked them, you know, one through 31, as you would expect. I give Vegas a ton of credit for finding a way to do a retro jersey when they've been in the league for three years. Uh, But the Coyotes, in particular, pretty well-received. And I got to say, I liked it when I first saw it. The more I see it, the more I like it.
1: Okay. Purple is my favorite color. So I I was a big fan of that, and I like a lot of the symbols. As I think I said this, actually, in my mailbag. I'm not the target demographic (laughs) I'm not the guy who's going to be <laughs> buying jerseys. I'm not crazy about the busy bottom, but yeah, fans really seem to like it. And I, th- I think the Coyotes knew who they were targeting, and I, I ran an informal poll myself. They got a lot of votes. It was like 1,200 votes when it was all said and done, and like two-thirds of the people said they loved it. So th- I think they hit the mark. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be buying this sort of paraphernalia when it comes out. It's it is a jersey that when I first saw the picture of it, like I said, I liked it. And I and I
0: like the, the throwback in the history that the Coyotes have with, you know, the, their jerseys from the, the late 90s are, are just are, they're still unique. Even today, when when at the time it wasn't like trendy to be unique in the NHL with with how you with, with how you were dressing yeah, they were up,
1: criticized then, if you remember, a lot of yeah. people didn't like them, including Jeremy Roenick.
0: <laughs> and now everybody, every team is trying to be unique, and it still stands out. But I will say this: when I saw the first pictures of it, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's pretty cool." When I've seen pictures now of like people wearing them, like I, I, the the team tweeted out photos of uh, of, of Biz wearing one and of Don wearing one, they look even better, like in action. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I thought they they hit the, the nail on the head with that one. There were some some jerseys in that uh, collection
1: around the league that weren't so great. <laughs> there they uh detroits yeah I what, don't what was that detroit's? they just forget to they, like they just leave it in a shop and forget to add what they were supposed to add to it let's start with this practice jersey and oh gosh we didn't get to that did we that's what it looked like to me it looked like a practice jersey it but that's yeah exactly it's a, it
0: looks like a roller hockey practice jersey like oh yeah we got a we got our first game in our in our roller hockey adult league is on wednesday night and don forgot to pick up the jerseys, so just run by real quick and just pick some up and we'll just you know iron on a red wings logo or something that's what it looks like um the islanders still really stand out the most to me because they didn't do anything
1: <laughs> i was hoping for the gorton's fisherman but so was i yeah i mean you you gonna it. do it i mean look at calgary calgary got the horse i, I there's mixed reviews on that one i, I kind of liked it actually um I'm trying to think of some of the, like, I, I really like Colorado's and I know it's not their logo. It's the Nordiques logo, but I thought those jerseys were awesome. That, that was my favorite of, of the entire lot. Yeah. Quebec finally won something,
0: but almost everything <laughs> I, I saw, they were ranked number one or number two. Um, if you see, they had LOL in parentheses, in tiny print below. <laughs> no, it would be great if they had LOL on like the, on the Jersey on like on the, on the sleeve or something. The, um. The Islanders one in particular, I had a great discussion. I think it was on TSN the other day. They were like, yeah, they wanted to bring back the Captain Gordon's Fisherman guy, but Lou Lamorella was like, no, he has a beard. So you can either bring and him back. You say something, him. you listen, as we know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't think Winnipeg's was real good. Um, honestly, like Pittsburgh's is fine, like as far as just a nice clean jersey that like two years from now, if you're wearing that jersey to a game, it's a good looking jersey. Yeah. But if you're going to do these retro things and, and really kind
1: of step outside the box, like step outside the box and do something a little bit crazy. Indeed. And then they didn't. Yeah. The so. Blackhawks weren't that great either, but in, in their defense and Mark Lazarus, I think was the one that po- brought this up. The Blackhawks have had to create so many jerseys because they play in every outdoor game. There is that <laughs> it's hard to keep coming up with fresh looks. Yeah, it is. Um,
0: I think Vegas for what they had to work with is it's, it's fine. Um, I actually liked I don't like a whole lot that the Minnesota Wild do. Like, I don't dislike it. I'm just indifferent. But their throwback to the North Stars colors was a reminder there probably should be a green and yellow team in the league somewhere. Yeah, yeah, It's a a pretty good setup.
1: It got me thinking, too, about – I started going back through some of the uniforms of the defunct hockey teams and wondering if there's a way that teams can bring those back at some point. I I don't like the limit on jerseys in the NHL. I mean, I don't want it to to get to Oregon Ducks – you know, you don't want to you don't want to go that far. You don't want to go yeah, overboard yeah. where there's just no. It's not cool anymore because you're just rolling out a new uniform every week. But I wish they wouldn't limit it to just a few jerseys because sometimes it can be fun to do that sort of thing. And and there are some great uniforms from the like the Kansas City Scouts uniforms. I don't know if you're a fan of those, but I love those. I love to see those come back somehow. Cleveland Barons, the the Golden Seals. There, there's some really cool uniforms out there that I'd like to see back on the ice.
0: Yeah, I like when they do it the right way. I like when they bring back a uniform from the 60s or the 70s that all the footage you've seen of it, it's all, like, grainy and all messed up. But if they bring it back and they modernize it the right way, it can be done. It can be great. You're right. I'm with you, though. I don't I don't want to get to the point where I turn on a hockey game and I have to, like, take five minutes figuring out who's playing. And that's <laughs> – yeah. so I'm, I'm, I do like that hockey – sticks to that tradition of like you've got your home you've got your way i do think they should flip them so the home team is wearing white so all the visiting teams are always wearing their colors when they come to your city whatever Damn. that's a different rant yep. but uh but yeah I, I do i mean have have like i don't know your your third jersey and then maybe these retro jerseys i think every team should have four but to your point you know you can you could mix in on a special occasion those those real throwback ones even if it's only once or twice a year right don't want to get to the NBA though, where we're at the point now, where like twenty of the NBA teams
1: all kind of have the same jersey at any given yeah, time. Yeah, what was up with that? I mean, it, and by the way, I I don't know how you feel about them. I think the Suns jerseys are just awful.
0: Oh really? Just I like awful. them. Oh, oh. I hated them. Oh, I like. Well, first of all, anything that's black, any jersey that's black, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pretty all in on. Uh, but the fact that they mixed in the the purple and the red and yellow, I know I like them. I like them. They're a little blocky, but I like them. So all right, well, this podcast is over, and we now hate each other. Um, the Coyotes on the like, – we don't know when the season's going to start. I guess let's, let's switch over there with the NHL before we get any deeper into the Coyotes' actual on-the-ice product. When are we getting hockey, Craig?
1: Man, I don't know. Uh, I, I think we're going to find out something within the next week and a half because if they want to start training camps in mid-December and start the season on January 1st, you have to have some sort of announcement. But – the owners have come back to the players and asked to defer more money so uh, that's that's not sitting well right now um the new CBA was not ratified that long ago when they thought they had addressed all of these things so yeah I'm, I'm gonna write about this in a notebook too but the players are like it, it, we just we just settled on all this stuff and now you want more and now you want us to be your bank okay yeah you know oh, we might be interested in some concessions but if we're going to do that, we want something in return. Maybe, maybe it's interest. Maybe it's another concession. But don't come back to us and say, yeah, you know, we need you to d- defer more money. We just talked about this. We factored all of this in. It, it's really not fair. And yet, when you look at it from the owner's perspective, you wonder how dire are things right now. And, and when they do the projections for the season and, and possibly not having fans for part or maybe all, depending on how this thing goes, how do they survive without it? When you're a league that relies on gate receipts more than any other league, uh, almost 50%, it's a tough situation. I think they're going to find a way. I think they're going to find a middle ground here, but I have a hard time believing the season's going to start on January 1st.
0: Yeah, I'm starting to get to that point, too. I I definitely agree with you that I think they're going to find a middle ground, uh, simply because without getting into all the like the complicated logistics of it they're not they're not permanently taking money from players i understand if i was a player i would be like we just hammered this deal out 3 or 4 months ago why are you changing it now and even if i understood why they were changing it i'd be like i don't think i like this so i get why the players are upset but it, if you're still ultimately getting the money even if it's down the line we're going to get to the point where a hockey players at a certain point they have that internal hockey clock where they feel like they should be playing hockey. I mean, Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews have been skating down here because they just want to be playing hockey. And also B, if you don't play a season, nobody gets any money. So they're they're, going to come
1: up with something, but you're right. I mean, January 1st is like five weeks away now. Let's add option C as well. Imagine the PR nightmare of saying we have canceled the season because we can't agree over money when the world is in the grips of a global pandemic that would be such an awful look for the NHL right now. Just regardless of how real the issues are, the outside perception, you know, a a big chunk of the audience is just going to say, how selfish can you possibly be in, in this situation? So they have to factor that in as well. But yeah, back to January 1st. I mean, we saw when some of the other leagues are starting in February. I don't know that the NHL will start that late. They might when it's all said and done, but I kind of never believed that January 1st was going to happen. And, and, you know, you're hearing more and more whispers around the league that it's not going to happen now. Maybe it'll be mid-January. But, again, they they have to hammer these issues out before we have any semblance of a plan.
0: Yeah, to your point, I mean, it's, it's a PR nightmare if you can't make it work. And, again, I, I, I pretty much 99% believe they're going to make it work. It's even worse when you realize you're talking about deferred money and not actual money. But it, it's, it is fair to look deeper and say – I'm sure these teams are losing a ton of money. Cause like you said, fans can't come to the games. Um, what is your sense? You know, f- for me, it, it, it sounded like if it's January 1st, we're looking at about a 60 game season. Is there a number that you can't go
1: below? Cause to me, I don't want to go below 48. I don't even really want to be dabbling down at 48. I think that's the number. I think that's the magic number. You don't go below that and still have a meaningful season. Let's, let's be honest, a 60 game baseball season. That was, that was a joke. To be honest, yeah. it was a joke. You can't you can't do that. You just you, you change the product far too much if you reduce it below like half a season. So I think 48 is probably what they I, I don't think I've, I haven't seen any estimates where it's below 48. And I think they know that. But I hope they're I hope they get higher than that. I hope they get around 60 games. And I think that's what they're shooting for.
0: I think you just admitted that you secretly love watching baseball and need 162 Cubs games every year to feel comfortable. Yeah I mean the baseball season could certainly be shortened but 60 (laughs) games that was silly. Well and baseball got I don't know if it was lucky or whatever but I mean it worked out for them where the Dodgers won the World Series against Tampa who finished those 60 games as the two best teams and the Dodgers have been a really good team now for seven eight nine years so it, it's You didn't have a weird scenario where, like, the Marlins won the World Series and everybody's looking and saying your season is cheap. And the last right. time the NHL went to 48 games with the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup. And normally, I I would take that sort of feeling of 48 games doesn't give you enough hockey games with all the variance in the game of hockey to determine who the best teams are. But that was arguably the Blackhawks' best team of yeah, the three Cup winners. Yeah, it was
1: a unique circumstance, right? You were in, right in the middle of a sort of a mini-dynasty, so... Yeah. They And the, the way they started that season was just absurd. So, yeah, I, I, they probably would have sustained that no matter what. But still, I don't want to see it watered down to the point where teams just maybe haven't even hit their stride yet and suddenly you're in the postseason. By the way, how cool is it to be a Tampa fan right now? You you won the Cup. You, you got, it, as you just mentioned, you got to the World Series, and now maybe the Tampa Raptors will win the NBA title or at least go deep in the playoffs. <laughs> and the Buccaneers. But, you know, Yeah the tampa raptors um yeah well
0: and and the last thing on the 48 games i mean with chicago winning when they did again i think the league lucky is not the right word but it, it worked out for the league whereas what if like you know if you go to 48 games this year and minnesota wins the stanley cup since i've already attacked minnesota once i may as well just focus on them this show um it's it's not gonna feel right even last year with the bubble, Tampa won the cup, but Tampa was probably the best team. So it, it validates it. But if you have this short season and some team surprises everybody, you're going to look back and say, Oh yeah, they won it because it was a 48 game season or whatever. And right. We don't need that. Plus more hockey is always good.
1: So what do you think of the other uh, possibilities with this NHL season? Uh, uh, All division play. Let's start there. I, I think it's unavoidable.
0: I don't like the talk that I was hearing earlier this week of you know it and all Canadian divisions going to be very fun and very entertaining and I think people sometimes forget Canadians are like the nicest people in the world until they're playing each other in hockey that yeah. that division is going to be Vancouver a bloodbath <laughs> oh yeah I forgot about them. Um, I only want it this year though. And earlier this week, I was already here in the talk of "Oh, the Canadian division is going to be so fun. Can we just do that every year? No,
1: not, no. not. Well, this here, here's the thing though, on the flip side of this, if they do the, yeah, I don't know if you saw Pierre Lebrun's piece, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before talking about how the playoff format might look, you'd have an all division playoff. So yeah. you've got seven Canadian teams, only four are going to make the playoffs and then they all have to play each other to see who makes it out into the conference final. On, on you know, on the one hand, you get a Canadian team into the Final Four, which is you know saying something given the fast performance of Canadian teams over the yeah. last few decades. On the yeah. other hand, you only have one team that has a chance of winning it.
0: Yeah, but what it's been since 1993, I think most just fans of Canadian hockey, in the sense that they just want any team to win a cup, will take the 25 percent chance that they would have <laughs> get one team into the into the conference final. We'll and yeah. see what happens. And that's, that's why I'm worried. Like We're, we're going to get Toronto into the conference final this year and they're going to lose to whoever. And so then next year they're going to be like, hey, that worked out pretty well. Let's just keep doing that until we get what team all the way into the cup. Um, <laughs> right. I, think, I think that part could be fun. The, the Canadian division could be fun this year. I do wonder, and I'm thankful for NHL Network, how many of the like Canadian shows that I watch, Canadian-based hockey shows, are even going to mention the other twenty-four teams after about the first ten games of the season? That's really
1: interesting. Yeah, to see like how Sportsnet covers the NHL next season. Yeah. In other news,
0: <laughs> in other news, we haven't updated a score outside of the Canadian
1: division in a month and a half. Right. Right. Um, but you only have three teams missing. So who's making the playoffs out of that Canadian? We know Ottawa's not making the playoffs. Can we agree on that? Uh yeah yeah I mean all this talk about Ottawa being so much better come on let's be realistic here they they got a lot of ground to make up yeah (laughs) yeah they got a lot of ground to make up they're not a playoff team so I think they'll miss I I still think Montreal misses yeah I don't think that they're that good either I mean again you you look at all the talk about these two teams and how much they've improved is Montreal any better up the middle. Then those teams that we saw that were, were going deep because of Kerry Price, do they they really have great play at center? No. no, they still have the same problem that they've had. So I don't see them as a playoff team. But then then those other five teams, I wonder who the team is that misses. Well, and
0: see that's that's going to be the entry because you figure Toronto is definitely in. I mean, you would think. So then what is it? Ed, Edmonton, Calgary, Edmonton Vancouver, Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. and yeah. One of them misses. Yeah, that that in itself, the fact that one of them is guaranteed to miss, because I think in normal circumstances they'd all be playoff teams, and yeah. they're going to miss at the hands of of other Canadian rivals. I mean, that is going to be great theater. And sure is they only play <laughs> each other
1: sixty times. So let's talk about the Pacific Division. Adding, you know, eliminating those Canadian teams—Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary—but adding Colorado, the favorite to win the cup. Dallas, which was arguably the second best team in the Western Conference in the playoffs last year, and Minnesota, which I already wrote was the Coyotes' kryptonite last season.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough division to get through. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get into the Coyotes in a second. And I read your piece, your Q and A with with Rick Tockett, and it kind of it, it did sort of bring back some of the uh, the encouraging signs that we saw last year with this team. I know that everybody's just going to be like, "Oh, they're not a playoff team this year." I, I don't I don't buy into that, but. If that's going to be the division they're in, it's going to be really tough to do anything in the playoffs when you're in a division with Colorado and Dallas and yeah. And Minnesota. Like you said, Minnesota's not even that good, but they have the Coyotes number. They did last season, man, and, and
1: Darcy Kemper's number.
0: Yeah, the only team
1: that had his number. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So you throw that in, and then you, you well, I mean, I, I don't I don't think LA and San Jose are playoff teams. I, I have a hard time believing Anaheim is either. So when you Vegas too. Yeah. You got Vegas. That's the thing. So are the coyotes fighting with Minnesota for the last playoff spot? Is that wait? I'm forgetting a team here. Who am I forgetting?
0: No, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you got Vegas, Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, LA, San Jose, Anaheim coyotes. So yeah, if you're, if you're writing out the three, if you're writing off the three California teams, yeah, it's pretty much coyotes, Minnesota for that fourth spot.
1: And we're assuming, you know, look, Dallas, Dallas looked really good in the playoffs, but we remember who they were during the regular season. I, I I look at the age of some of their key players, and I'm, you know, there's a lot of assumption that oh, they'll just keep this up. At some point, it catches up with you. So we'll we'll see what Dallas does to you. But right now, I would pencil in Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas, and then say one playoff spot is up for grabs in that division.
0: Uh, side note: How weird is it going to be to see like Anaheim play hockey again? It's been eight months since the last time we saw the Ducks. You know how you get a regular normal NHL season, you get to like the third round of the playoffs and you're down to the final four teams and they show highlights from the first round of the playoffs. You're like, oh, wow, I haven't seen Carolina in a month. It feels like they're not even in the league anymore. It's been eight months since we
1: saw LA and Detroit and San Jose, all those teams play a hockey game. Yeah. And it'll be at least, it'll be at least 10 by the time they actually do play a game. So yeah, I wonder how that's going to impact teams. I, you know, I know they're talking about getting a little extra time in camp for those teams that didn't make it to the bubble, but it's not games. It's been a really long time, and that's—I I gotta believe that that's going to have an impact.
0: Yeah, and I just—I don't believe giving
1: Detroit nine extra days of training camp is going to help them at all. I don't, I don't know much that's going to help Detroit still. I mean, they're—they're they're, they're better. They have improved, and they've got a good general manager now. So.
0: That sounded like you were talking to like a, a kid in school that uh, has been misbehaving for two years yes. and finally at least didn't hit one of his classmates or something. Good
1: job. And, and again, good job with those jerseys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Detroit. Uh, no, but I mean, even, I don't know if those seven teams that, that completely missed the bubble and everything. I mean, I don't, are any of them playoff contenders? Maybe Buffalo, I guess. Maybe Buffalo, yeah. with Taylor Hall. Where's Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere he's screaming to write the descent. um yeah i don't know i i I think if you give even even a team you know um, detroit's not a good example because detroit is so terrible but if that extra week and a half could help one of those teams it's going to help them for the first two weeks of the season kind of have a little bit more of a comfort level on the ice compared to their opponents but once you get three months into the season, nobody's going to be like, wow, I didn't expect the Sharks to go on this crazy run. It must be that extra week of training camp they had. You know what I mean? Right. right. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't see that narrative playing out, no. No. Uh, let's see. What? Anything else on the league in, in particular? We talked about the playoffs a little bit. Um, I mean, how do you feel about the divisions outside
1: of the Canadian division? Are, are you excited to see your team Chicago and Detroit have... back in the same division. Not now, not currently. It's they're two bad teams, so it, they never should have broken them up in the first place. But that's on the Red Wings. Boy, well, I seem to be hitting on the Red Wings again. This actually feels good. Yeah, it is, it's I, it's pretty good to do this in a while. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like that. But look, it is what it is, right? You, you seven free wins. About it. What's that? Yeah,
0: it's seven free wins for Chicago if you have Detroit in the division. Oh, don't don't
1: count on that. <laughs> don't count on that. Have you seen that goaltending? Uh, that's true. Who is their goalie, by the way? Is it? Yeah, that's. Well, I, I'm not sure yet. Let's let's wait okay. and see how that plays out in camp. Since they decided Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford weren't weren't good enough, they might actually. And, need well, to they've they decided actually. they're rebuilding now. Oh, that's... after saying last year that they they weren't rebuilding, which of course upset a few key Blackhawks. who would like to uh, know what's going on, but you know,
0: yeah,
1: well, Bowman does they don't what have he play. wants apparently without Look. repercussions. Craig, I just
0: don't think you appreciate what Stan Bowman has done for that organization over the last three to four years. It's been, uh, it's been such a sight to behold. Did you see uh, who wrote it? I think it was
1: Emily Kaplan wrote it for ESPN, the best and worst contracts for every team. Did you see this story? I didn't see that one. but I mean, that, that story has been done before. But what, what, did she have Seabrook? or? Oh, yeah. No, but
0: we, I, I was did just you? trying to go through the league and try and figure out. She did it by team. But who's yeah. just the worst in the NHL? And and I mean the best is still very clearly Nathan McKinnon. It's absurd that yeah. that guy's getting paid compared to what he does, but uh I don't know. Seabrook Seabrook's right there as the worst in the NHL. Still, what is that? Deal only has like fifteen more years on it, right? Yeah, after that they'll be fine. Okay, good. Um I don't I don't love the I mean, I like you said, it is what it is. You can't avoid it. I don't love the idea of just seeing pick whatever team, play seven opponents all season. I mean, yeah. It's unavoidable. You can't really have the three American divisions all playing within each other and just have the Canadians only play each other. That's so unbalanced.
1: But it's hockey. It won't be boring, but
0: I like the matchups.
1: Yeah, I do too. And it's, again, you just have to, with, with the border situation, I I know they've talked about hoping it will open up later in the season and maybe you can play, but – Imagine the, the risk you're taking there with having teams crossing back and forth. What if it shuts down again? Then what do you do? It almost makes more sense to just stick with that format for the rest of the season. I think about travel, too. Even if you're going to, like they've discussed, settle into a city and play an entire series like they do in baseball, which I think you have to do. Yeah. Or you're going to kill these teams. Or, and, and also risk. You know, you, you can't be traveling that much for the COVID risk. But even so, like imagine you're Minnesota. How's that going to work if you're in the, whatever it's called, the West division or the Pacific division, all of your opponents are far away. All of them. Yeah. And then in the Canadian division, I mean, you're talking about teams, you're talking about Toronto flying to Vancouver. That, that's a widespread in the Canadian division.
0: Yeah. We do tend to think like, Oh, they're all in Canada. They'll be fine. They're right next to each oh, other. Like, yeah, nah, not, not, not necessarily. Vancouver's at a bit of a disadvantage there. Um, Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Like you said, it's it's just kind of all. It's the only option you have. I do wonder what you're gonna do. I mean, we're gonna have cases throughout this season. There wasn't there wasn't travel during the playoffs and the bubble and everything. Obviously, it was a bubble. So they the NHL and the NBA I thought did an amazing job with those bubbles to complete. I mean, there were no positive cases in either sport. But that's not realistic. We've seen baseball, that we've seen the NFL this season, and it seemed like after about week six, the NFL is like, we're just not canceling games, we'll figure out a way around it.
1: Yeah, but you're you've got cases
0: ha- in the NHL already with the Knights and the Jackets, yeah. right? You're going to have to have some sort of buffer built into the schedule. To your point, when you play a team, if you're going to play, if Minnesota's going to play L.A. in L.A. three times, just play them all on the same trip, I think you have to, I, I did hear an interesting argument as to why that's not always the case. And it was essentially like, if you, I don't know if you, if you play the Capitals in Washington three times and the first you, you play them in October and Ovechkin's out of the lineup or whatever, cause he's hurt, then it's more balanced that you won't see them again until February or whatever. Like now you may just get a team when, when their best players hurt and you
1: get all the games out of the way, but there's no other options no there's not and you got to have the return date too when they come to your city so maybe you maybe you spread those out over the schedule to try and balance that a little bit but again you some of these concerns are just secondary now you have to you have to consider safety first and foremost and then limiting travel so you're not killing these teams so i mean i i, I think again i think i think that's less of a concern you just can't worry about that sort of thing when you're just trying to get a game in a season in and, and hopefully make some money with fans in the stands, which is another scenario that I have no idea how it's going to play out.
0: Yeah, because, you know, we, you, see, you see it. College football has been a mess this year, but even the NFL games where they're allowing a few fans into the stadium, it's a few. The, the NFL stadiums are huge. Some of them are outdoors, and the fans are nowhere near the actual field of play. I mean, in hockey, they're not going to let fans be right by the glass even if they let them in this year but you're like a foot away from the action if you're sitting in the front row, whereas in football, you're still 50 yards away sometimes, depending on the stadium. Um, is Mike Hoffman ever going to sign with a
1: team? Is that what's going on? Well, there? I feel for the remaining free agents, man, it must be really nerve wracking for them. They have no idea what they're going to be doing next season or if they're going to be playing. I guess you could go, I mean, some of these guys could have looked to Europe, right. And, and signed contracts there, but a lot of these guys obviously are hoping they'll still be in the NHL. A lot of them are NHL worthy, but it just hasn't happened. So I I wonder if we'll see sort of a flurry of that sort of stuff at training camp, or if even some of these guys who are just like sitting out, may just sign in the middle of a season when a team has an injury, like we see in the NFL or something, it's, it's such a weird year.
0: Well, yeah. And somebody like Hoffman in particular, he'll be fine. I mean, he's, he's pretty much, you can lock him in for 30 goals in a normal 82 game season, but yeah, the, not even guys that would be a fringe player in a normal year, but just sort of a guy that they would sign, but it would be a few weeks after a free agency opened. Now it's going to be such a scramble, and I feel like teams once they get their team are going to try and stay as insular as possible this year because yeah. you don't. Carl want Soderbergh here's an example. Yeah. Perfect, let's that's a perfect team. example. Yep. And he should, yeah, he really should. Okay, let's get back to the uh, the Coyotes now going forward. I mentioned, I, I referenced your uh, your story, your Q and A with with Rick Tockett, and. I guess let's start with, I I thought the two questions that really stood out were the ones about Oliver Ekman Larson. And I told you, I I liked how talk handled those where he essentially, I don't want to quote your story with you right here, but, uh, but he essentially said, it doesn't have to be awkward. Those two have talked. It may be awkward on the outside, but it's not going to be awkward within that locker room. Considering Oliver's the captain, they were fairly public about shopping him or if that wasn't them, there were very loud rumors that he was attempting to be shocked. and now he's back, and he's still your captain.
1: Yeah, I I, I liked it, and, and I talked to Oliver just a few days earlier. Had a Q and A with him as well, so got a lot of insight from the two of them on the situation. And, and, and look, Talk said Oliver said to him, "Rick, it, or Talk, it might be awkward," and and that's when when Talk answered the way he did. It's not going to be for me. It's not going to be for the locker room. Maybe it will be for. Maybe they'll see him that way to outsiders, and and maybe it will be a little awkward for ownership when they were they were trying to move him. But he said inside the locker room, it's it's not going to change. And and look, you and I know Oliver so well. He's this isn't going to bug him. He's going to put it as soon as he steps in the locker room. He's going to put it aside and and just be the same guy that he's always been. So by and large, I don't know that they have a problem. And, and, and guys get shopped all the time. Rumors are out there all the time about other players. It's just it's just probably the the profile of the player and his situation that made it a little stranger and and probably all that's been going on with the Coyotes uh, in this crazy off season. He's the captain of the team. He's the longest tenured player here. He's really the face of the franchise right now. So it was just a little more high profile than you see in some other instances. I think it's big though, just
0: simply that they have talked it out already. You know, that's one of those things where I agree with you. I don't think it'll be an issue. If it's awkward, it's going to be awkward it's going to be perceived as awkward for part of training camp or something. But if you just go into the season and Oliver never reaches out to talk and talk, never reaches out to Oliver and this festers into the season. And then you start, you know, getting bad play and, and everything snowballs. They've already addressed it. It wasn't really either of their doing the way this had played out. So, or Bill Armstrong it's, it's, for that matter. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Bill Armstrong wasn't even here. I've said this before, but I, the best thing Bill Armstrong has done so far is not come in here and just try to make moves to make a name for himself because there was talk that they were going to trade Oliver or do this or that. He kept the best pieces on this team, which again, is why I think when the dust settles, this could and probably should be a playoff team again. Talk it said it in your piece. They've made progress every year yeah. since he's been here. That doesn't guarantee what's the phrase nonlinear progression. It doesn't guarantee they're going to do it again next year, but, it's very doable they make the playoffs again.
1: Yeah, and I want to talk about that a little more, but just a couple more things on the talk at OAL thing. Uh, In that Q&A that I did with him, I I asked him outright, is Oliver going to be the captain? And he said yes, emphatically, said Stan. Stan Wilson hasn't been ordered to take the stitching out. It's strong stitching. (laughs) So we have that resolved too. That's another thing that people wondered about. It's a non-issue. He's going to be the captain going into the season. Um, but then the other thing that they both talked about, and, and, and Oliver admitted this, it, you know, when when you when you hear your name in trade rumors, you start to question yourself a little bit, wondering if you're still a good player, whether you're too old. It sounds like, and, and we'll we'll find out for sure when he hits camp in the season. But it sounds like he has trained really hard this offseason. Both talk and Oel mentioned it, and Rick really wanted to see that from Oliver to see him come in in supreme shape ready to go from day one and set an example for this team. They let's, let's be honest. They need Oliver to be better offensively than he's been the past few seasons. They need him to be an elite player again. And, and I would still argue that he's better defensively than people give him credit for. He's improved so much in that side of his game, but they need him to produce and they need this entire blue line to produce more offense than it has. This is a high paid blue line. They have a lot of veterans with experience. So him leading the way there is, is definitely one of those ways that I think they could get back to the playoffs. But the other thing that I wanted to mention on that is they got a lot of guys going into the final year of their contract. Yeah. Six veterans, they've got three other guys that are going to be RFAs, and the entire coaching staff. <laughs> I know that sometimes we make too much of a contract year, and I didn't want to do it without asking people, but Tockett said it. Derek Stepan said it, Alex Goligosky said it, and Jason DeMira said it. They all said, yeah, that can be a motivating factor, especially when people question you. You have a little chip on your shoulder, and beside that, you're playing for your livelihood. You want to stay in this league. Factors for this team that make you think, okay, maybe they can do this again.
0: Yeah, uh a couple things there. First of all, just the idea that there's you know an even more motivated Oliver Eckman Larson than usual. And I I know we hear this about a good number of athletes in every sport going into every year. But but I do think and it's not really that we've heard this, we're just kind of more piecing this together. I mean, there's there's definitely a scenario where now that OEL knows he's back and remember he's signed with this team for basically, you know, what through 2027. I mean, he's here. So And never wanted to leave. Let's emphasize that. Never wanted to leave, even this offseason. That is true. And if you look at at this team potentially making the playoffs or having any success this season, it hinges on goaltending and it hinges on their defense. And like you said, you probably need a little more offense from your defense, which in a way might not be fair because their primary job is supposed to be defense. But up front, you lost Taylor Hall. You don't know what you're getting from Phil Kessel yet you don't know what you're getting consistently from Clayton Keller. We don't know where the offense is coming from. It's very simple with this team. If they miss the playoffs, it's going to be because they don't have enough scoring. If they make the playoffs, it's going to be because Darcy Kemper played the way he's played and the defense takes over. And that starts with Oliver ekman Larson.
1: On the offensive side, I mean, you, you need your blue line too. You, you know how the, the NHL is today, though. They want them to join the rush. They want the quick outlet passes. They want them to play north. So that's the way that they can help the offense. They can... It cannot defend as much, first of all, and I know that's on the forwards as as well. But this team can't defend as much as it was. It 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 needs to get out of its end more quickly, and the defense plays a big role in that. I still think they sort of need more of a like a a a shutdown physical presence on that blue line. Maybe maybe Olya Labushkin can, can evolve into that, but I still feel like they need one more piece like that on their blue line, like they've added to the bottom six forwards to give them more of a physical presence, but those guys have to be the ones that start the offense.
0: Could there be, do you see any, any sort of changes, any, I guess I should say additions to this roster really at all. I mean, I, I know that the Armstrong has said, probably not going to see any, any changes before the season starts, but I mean, is there room to go out there and say, Hey, maybe elia Labushkin isn't the big physical, physical guy that we need. Hopefully he is, or maybe they look around and they say, we could use a second one. I mean, is there room to do that? Or is this just kind of your group in, in 2021?
1: Well, I think there's room to do that if you make another move. I mean, they, look, it's not like they're, they're going to stop trying to trade these veterans. I still think they are trying to trade them, and maybe that happens at the trade deadline. That that gets really dicey if you're actually in a playoff position and you start shopping players. But I do think that they are going to try to move one or two more pieces if if the return is there. So you you know, if you move out a another veteran off your blue line, you could always add that sort of piece. The,
0: if you look at the way the, the Coyotes are set up, and you mentioned all the, the vets that are UFAs, and I mean, Rick Tockett and the coaching staff are not signed past this year. If you go like two years down the road, and this is where, where Armstrong really has a chance to, to come in and, and make his mark on this team. He doesn't have a, a chance to, he has to. If you get past next season, which I know is crazy when we're talking about we don't even know how to start this season yet, but you go two seasons down the line, you go to the 22-23 season, the only Coyotes you have signed are Schmaltz, Dvorak, Keller, Oliver, and Chikrin. And, I mean, you, yeah, obviously Soderstrom and Hayton, but as far
1: as guys that are playing in the NHL, you have five guys signed yep. beyond the next two seasons. Creates a lot of opportunity. Now you hope, again, you hope that uh, if if this is the plan, that, and we heard that they were going to try the rebuild after this season, they just weren't able to move the contracts out, I would think that next year they would probably – take a step back in an effort to try and do that because let's be honest, they need more elite players in this system. Um, there are some nice pieces. Jan Yenik is one of those pieces. I'm going to have a piece on him on Monday. I got, I got a chance to talk with him for a long time and he, he's a fun power forward to think about. But again, it goes back to the center position, right? What elite pieces do you have coming there? Is Barrett Hayton going to be a number one center? I don't know. Again, I, I I've maintained for a while that I think he's a nice fit at number two. Then you you slot Dvorak in at number three and you look really good in your middle six centers right there, but you still need that piece at the top of the lineup. Can you land that through a draft? You have to get very high in the draft as we know to get that, but that seems to be a piece. And then they, you know, they, they, they just need to keep adding elite pieces throughout the uh, the prospect system. Maybe they can do that if they take a, a step or two back over the next couple seasons. How did you pronounce Jan
0: Yenik's last name? Is this because you just talked exactly
1: to him? as he pr- told me to pronounce oh, it? Actually, okay, do you remember when we had Redeem Verbata on the podcast and he pronounced all the names in in Czech and we didn't understand a word he was yes. saying? Yes, Well, that's that's what I did. I I told him about that podcast. He very grew up very close to where Jan Yenik lives. Okay. or grew up. So I said, pronounce your name as you pronounce it, and that's what he said. So. I'll actually write this in the story as well, but I can say it. If you want to pronounce his last name correctly, spell it like this: Y E N Y E E K. Yenik.
0: That's going to be. Right. I, 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 I don't doubt you, but there's definitely a world out there where you would say this to me. So I say Jan Yenik during the broadcast, and Bob Heathouse looks at me like I'm crazier. Yeah. Then, then I'll I'll make sure I make that public as well. Like, what are you talking about? It's Yenik. There was I don't think I've ever told this story on, on this podcast before, but it was it was one of Laurent Dauphin's first games up with the coyotes. And if you recall, his name doesn't look that complicated when you see it, like written out, compared to a lot of hockey names. It's no it's no like Matt Greslick in Boston or something. Like you look and you're like, oh I can pronounce that name and then everybody's calling him Laurent Dauphin or whatever. Dolphins, so, yeah. so the first the it was one of the very first games he played ironically against the Blackhawks who he's been traded back and forth two fifty seven times and I interviewed randomly before the, the game John McCain of all people and we're talking about the game and he's like hey how do you pronounce this guy's name this is on <laughs> the air and I'm like really but the one guy that I'm like I don't know how to pronounce his name and you ask me so. Yeah, I uh, it, it's every every broadcaster's fear is having that one name come up in the middle. It's never going to be on the team that you, you call, but it's going to be on the opponent, some guy that yeah. just got called up that day, and you're like, oh, I don't know how to say this guy's name.
1: I've been thinking about a story on this next year, actually, going to all the Euros and saying, okay, first of all, I'm going to have an audio file with the story say where you pronounce your name correctly in in your native tongue. And then I ask them, okay, what other versions have you heard and which is the worst of the ones you've heard? <laughs> because <laughs> as Verby as Verby showed us we're we're butchering names right and left i asked okay. him i remember asking him another time how badly do we butcher uh, uh, how many of the european names do we butcher and, and he said all of them <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you've heard i mean we've had sebastian noren on here for swedish things before and mm-hmm. even even you know it's one thing when he's on the podcast pronouncing something how it's supposed to be pronounced in swedish but We'll talk to him off the air. I was at the NHL Awards with him a couple years ago, and I think I, I still do not know how he pronounced Robin Leonard's name. And I was like, dude, that's one of the ones I thought I was getting right. Like, that one seems relatively easy. <laughs> uh, okay, anything else on the Coyotes here before we move on? And we should point out that uh, Matthew Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid were both working out in Scottsdale or, you know, on the ice in Scottsdale. So for all the Canadian yeah. listeners, that means they're both going to play
1: for the Coyotes at some point, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. And didn't Jonathan Taves come down too? He might have. Yeah, they'll they'll be deep at center soon. <laughs> I don't know if they can take on those contracts. Um, one other thing, I, I had asked Rick Tockett about his future, and he said they had discussed an extension early on, but n- no talk of it recently. And he doesn't expect there to be any talk. He's he's content to let it ride out into the season. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, you mentioned the guys playing, you know, playing here. I think it's also intriguing that the Coyotes have so many prospects playing in europe right now to try and get games in and, and some really key guys especially barrett hayden who is playing right now with matthias miscelli um trying to get some ice time trying to get really a head start into this season i know a lot of teams are doing it i think it's a really good idea even when you factor in the different style of play and the larger ice surface it makes so much sense to get these guys ready for the season labushkin's doing it with his old team in Yaroslavl. um as I said, Maselli, although he's not going to come over, Jan Yannick is doing it. He's probably going to be coming to camp, as he told me. So there are a bunch of players over there that that could really get a head start on camp by by playing a bit in Europe. I know we've talked about
0: Hayton a lot in the past and his importance to this team. But I was uh, I was doing a radio hit in Edmonton, and they were talking. They were asking me, though, know, who's the most important Coyotes going forward, and. You know, for this season, we already touched on it. It's Darcy Kemper, it's Oliver ekman Larson and it's, it's one of those guys, either Keller or Kessel, getting going consistently up front. The big picture, you, could, you sort of alluded to it with the question of, can he be a number one center? I don't think there's a more important player in this organization when you look at the Coyotes over the next four
1: years than Barrett Hayton. So hopefully he's ready for that. I would completely agree with that. And if he becomes a number one center... Congratulations, because it hasn't happened around here in a really long time. Yeah. So if they hit on that, I mean, I still think Barrett Hayden's going to be a very good player. I just don't know if he's that level of player yet. Hopefully, he will be for the Coyotes. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's see. Anything else in the Coyote? We kind of hit on on everything
1: around the league. I think. Are we set for listener questions, or do you have anything else here, Craig? No, I, I think that should cover it. We don't have a lot of listener questions. I think a lot of people were just stunned by the uh, the Leighton ocardo news, so it's it's hard to uh, I get it. It's hard to get into the uh, the mode of of asking silly, lighthearted or hockey, even hockey questions of of the podcast. I think we have a couple. We can yeah. get to those. Uh, yeah, let's. I'll, I'll
0: focus on a couple of the lighthearted ones because I, I I feel like we we touched on all that we know about the uh, the Leighton ocardo stuff. Um, Murdoch writes in. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is the goat Thanksgiving movie. But what is your favorite line, moment, sequence of the movie? And overrated and underrated Thanksgiving sides. Okay, I will say this, and I know it's going to anger Todd Walsh and and Dave Vest and a lot of other people, and possibly you because you're already kind of giving me that look. I've I'm seen planes, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles once when I was like six, so I can't I can't give you any any quotes or lines. But I will say. Un- most underrated Thanksgiving side to me, at least in this state, is cherry pie. I understand it's dessert, but that is the the pie that nobody in Arizona seems to eat with Thanksgiving dinner.
1: Yeah, there is a reason for that, Luke. It's not very oh, good. On. It's the best. I am the same as you on planes, trains, and automobiles. Though when, oh. when they start quoting that movie, I am like, yeah, yeah, I've seen it once. It's it's not a cult movie for me. So I love John Candy. I've always loved John Candy, but yeah, I I, I can't really quote sequences or lines other other than. The pillows line which we don't want to talk about here
0: I, I probably should re-watch it because i don't doubt that it's a very good movie like the people that recommend it to me i trust their their judgment when it comes to movies but it's just like christmas vacation and elf have already been on tv and it's not even thanksgiving yet whereas planes trains and automobiles i have to actively seek out and it just never is in the the forefront of my mind but you're right there's really no other
1: thanksgiving movies are there I, I don't know, actually. Well, there's there's Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. I mean, um, I Snoop, yeah. What is is this? Is this just too old for you? You can't appreciate I, it's, Snoopy. The battle with the fold up chair is it, it's an epic scene. Well, you need to watch it. I'll check that out too. Okay, we, but as far as it. underrated sides, I'm, I'm not sure pie is a side. By the way, Luke, I think it's a design. All right. So, okay. Um, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I think I think she's within earshot, so. I'm going to go with my wife's uh, cornbread and sausage <laughs> stuffing. This is pandering. This is but that an, sounds it's really good. It's, it is. It's really good. It's a meal in and of itself. Wait, it's cornbread and what? Cornbread and sausage stuffing. It's not your traditional stuffing that people put in a turkey. That's, that's okay. That's fine. Slap it with some gravy. It tastes okay. But when you've had this dressing, you don't want to go back to the other one ever again. I think I
0: remembered how to get to your house and I can't imagine you would turn me away on Thanksgiving of all days. So it's possible that although you do live about 87 miles away from me, so it's, it's going to be a bit of a haul to get out there. Almost the New Mexico border. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. The, the Eastern border. That, um that is almost, that does sound really good. I don't, there's not really, I never used to like cranberry sauce. Now I appreciate it more, especially it's gotta be on the Turkey and really cranberry sauce. We're, where it really steps up, it's more of a second-half player or like a third-period performer. It will show up with your leftovers. That's what you, you need. It gets stronger
1: as the, as the holiday goes on. Right. As far as pies, by the way, sweet potato pie. Oh, come on. Really? To be making that as well for Thanksgiving, sweet potato pie. And we have a recipe from a friend of mine. It's insane. It's insane how good it is.
0: I, I, I don't like when people treat sweet potato as a dessert. But I've never had sweet potato pie, so I probably should try it before I say something. But the proper ranking is clearly cherry pie, then pecan pie, and then apple pie. I guess if you oh, want, pecan you know, whatever pie. you want. A oh, pecan pie is amazing. It might be actually
1: better than cherry. well oh. it, it could be. I mean, they're, they're both are so far low on my list that, that I can't decide goes <laughs> for the other. Right. That's awful. All
0: right, well, we won't have other any disputes if, if we You're ever right had here. Thanksgiving dinner together, we would, we would have no issues at the table because we would not be uh, stealing the other person's dessert. True. Um, Greg writes in, no question this time. Just want to say thank you to you both for an amazing show. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your families and deepest condol- condolences to the family of Leighton. May she score 100 goals a game in heaven. Thanks, Greg. That, uh, Greg is, that is the same Greg who gave us the bingo card a good the natty hattie bingo card a good i don't know 150 shows ago so that's I a long time happy thanksgiving yeah um joseph which is more boring
1: the sabers team or their retro jersey you know i feel like this is a question for jamie eisner yeah we should get him on the line but he's not here i really shouldn't have deleted his number the second that last show ended but i did and then I
0: blocked could him unblock him and call him right now he could but that's two steps yeah. Um, I'm going to say the jerseys actually more boring because now they have they have, have a top line of Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel, and Victor Olofsson. That's a
1: yeah. That'll be fun to watch actually. Yeah, it will. So It'll the be Sabres fun. Make the playoffs this year? No. Are the Sabers a playoff team? No. Okay. Uh, but we're definitely
0: going to hear that for when they when they start the season six and three like we always do. Um, Tyler, goofiest Thanksgiving holiday tradition you've heard of or experienced?
1: This one's easy. Oh really? I don't have one. Well, I went to my wife, who was then my girlfriend's house for Thanksgiving, and they played balloon volleyball over a streamer, a piece of crepe paper that was taped across from wall to wall. They played balloon volleyball over it, and it was a family tradition to which I said, Oh, (laughs) I love the idea of younger, more judgmental Craig, if that's possible. Imagine how hard this game is with a balloon that floats. I mean, how hard is it to retrieve that balloon and how far really can you drive it?
0: It's is an there, endless
1: game. That's what I'll say. It's an endless game because the balloon never hits the floor. Is it outside or in, it's gotta no, inside? It's got right? to be inside, right? Did inside. you guys, are you carrying this
0: tradition on? Is that what I see going no. on behind you right now? No. no. Okay. So you just did, I'm picturing you walking up with her entire family, loving this tradition and you being like, we're not keeping this going and just popping the balloon and being like, I'm going to marry your daughter. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, good. Um, let's uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for the questions. A, a lot of condolences and thanks to, to Leighton. We, you know, we certainly appreciate that and, and to her family. And, uh, but yeah, there are not really a lot of silly hockey questions this week, which like you said, completely understand hopefully we are getting closer to training camps and real hockey beginning again here soon. And we can, you know, we can start previewing the season and everything and, uh, and, and podcasting really kind of, more regularly. Yes. Yes. I felt, I feel like a fish out of water when I haven't talked about hockey when I haven't brought up Brent Seabrook's contract to you for a couple of weeks, yeah. it's uncomfortable for me. Is the when, cowbell yeah, safe? Um, I haven't been in that room in a while. I'm, I'm, I will check that out on Friday. I will definitely check that out, okay. and uh, you're probably getting a bell from me for Christmas. How often do you get out of your closet, by the way? Well, you know, as you can see, I've sort of redecorated. This is a very big closet that I have set up here. You can't you can't totally see it in frame, and if I move that, it'll cut the audio. But it goes it goes a ways over to the left. You can't see. It's sort of just dis- disorienting for you because it looks like that door. I'm assuming is the final wall. There's like a whole other room over there, so we're good. Okay. I could pot- I could do another 264 episodes from in here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to everybody for listening. For Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone.